0: Welcome to the 99 Celsius Podcast. I'm your host, Marco Quay. Thanks for tuning in. For the final episode of Women's History Month, we're featuring Kelly Lopez. Kelly is a muralist and poet located in New Jersey. Her breathtaking artwork has gotten her recognition from media powerhouse Viacom. Kelly has an approach to life that mirrors her career, a flexible perspective that never gets too bogged down by the perils of life. It's an amazing story and one that I can't wait for you to hear. Welcome to The Bigger journey is no stranger to a muralist. It's no wonder why Kelly seems cool as ice as she navigates the storms of life that are hard as hell. It entails a perspective that is larger than life itself, breeding patience and an appreciation for every element along the way. Even the pain that weighs heavy on the heart sparks Paintings that start the therapeutic process of healing. Stroke by stroke, hearts that broke, getting stitched by the acrylic of her paintbrush. A metaphor for seeing the bigger picture, despite the pain of the current circumstances. A chance at an advanced way of viewing life. Keep the stroke alive. Welcome back to another episode of 99 Celsius. I have a guest in the building that has spent some time with me in the D.C. area from Rutgers University as well. And now living it up in New Jersey, doing amazing things. So I present to you today no other than Kelly Lopez, a.k.a. Loops. Welcome to the 99 Celsius podcast.
1: Hey, what's up? Thank you for having me. That's quite the introduction.
0: <laughs> hey, man. How you doing?
1: I'm doing good. How you doing?
0: Good. It's good to see you.
1: <laughs> good to see you too, Mark.
0: Yeah. I feel like the last time was probably back in, in D.C. Yeah, it's, it's
1: been like four years. A years, right? It's been a pretty significant amount of time. Hey,
0: man. We're going to get into the journey to hear about <laughs> you know, what, what you're working on and all that. Uh, but um, how you feeling in the midst of all this stuff going on the world? is crazy right now.
1: Yo, it's crazy. I can't believe that we are actually gonna, like living through this. Um, it's pretty serious. It's kind of scary.
0: Yeah. I know we was talking uh, when I got in. You were, we were both like, yo, we, you weren't really taking it too serious.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was not. I was taking it with a grain of salt. I was like, oh, shit, just going to blow over. Yeah. But um, nah, man, it's unfolding. So you got to take it seriously.
0: Yeah, that's real. Kelly got, uh, like, a table full of hand sanitizer over here. When I came in, she definitely made sure that, that all my equipment was sanitized.
1: <laughs> Yo, you cannot be too safe. You cannot be too safe. I got family. I got, family. I got family. I got to make sure it's good. <laughs>
0: 100%. Now, you you told me you're looking into moving, right? You about to...
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I live in Newark now, but I'm about to move um, back home to South Jersey. I'm from Camden. My mom, a couple years ago, bought a house in Pensacola, so I'm going to be staying uh, with her for three months, incubating, turning her basement into a workshop for mm. me um, so that I can start to manifest on some of the plans and and, and, and goals that I've set for myself.
0: Nice. Definitely make sure that you, you touch on that through the interview as well. Yeah. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into it. I Anytime I bring a guest on. I always love to give context behind how I know the guests and my interactions with them and such. So, um, man, my connection with you started years before you even realized that it did. I don't remember the exact year anymore, but I think I told you this story before, but it will be good for the people to hear. Um, I went to an open mic event at Rutgers, and <laughs> some girl got up on the stage, and she was spitting some fire <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not gonna recite what the poem is about and if you reach out to Kelly after this don't ask him what the poem is about because you know I don't want to put myself <laughs> on blast but the poem had me feeling some way I you know it put me in check a little bit as a spectator and um but nah I, I was I remember the feeling of like that art and I think good art always gives people something to reflect on right. and um and to resonate with right. so I remember that piece and it wasn't until probably about three years later Mm -hmm. you happened to move to dc and i was probably like a year a year in in my time at dc now and uh and we started doing some creative stuff out there in town so um myself you and a few others were doing some poetry you know we're doing open mic events and uh, we even had like a little self-growth Sunday thing that yeah, we were doing every right <laughs> you know so we had we had some cool initiatives that we were doing and like I just remember that time period of being like all about growth and creativity like it's one of my most creative periods in life, like just having all that energy around me and different talents being around to rub off. and in the midst of that, we have a conversation and you end up talking about one of your pieces, which I end up realizing was the one that, Connected with me so bad <laughs> years ago before that, which is crazy. Um, I was like, "Yo, that's you." <laughs> yeah,
1: I remember that so clearly. Yeah, so funny.
0: It was powerful for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and good art has the ability to do that. So
1: yeah,
0: uh, I I always appreciate that. But then just even, you know, like I said, that that time period when we were in DC, really cooking up, I felt like there was there was a lot of creative energy and. You know, everyone was just sharpening each other and stuff. So I always appreciate you and for that. And so, um, you you know, you uh, you eventually go back to Jersey and I've been working on some stuff. And so I'm really excited to hear about, you know, what's been up with you and such. But that's the that's the story about how how you and I got (laughs) down. (laughs) So let's jump in to um, to your history and such. Um, You know, as you know, the 99 Celsius podcast is all about telling the story of the journey of creation. So everything from the beginning of time, things that you were into and such, and then matriculating all the way into current times, what you're working on now, what the end goal is, what the vision is, and what you hope your impact to be. So before we get to the current and the things that you're doing, I'd like to go back down memory lane and talk a little bit about what your childhood was like. If you think about the earliest memories that come to mind with you What are some of those things?
1: Um, So I was raised in Camden, New Jersey. Really proud of that. Um, Though growing up, I wasn't too proud of it because I didn't, you know, I knew that the city was very under-resourced. It was um, ridden with just a lot of violent crime and and drug abuse and poverty. Um, And still to this day, there are parts of Camden that just look just completely disheveled, just destroyed. Like there is no way people are living here, Um, but they are. And so, you know, I grew up uh, with my two brothers and my mom um, and we didn't have a lot. You know, my mom had to work two jobs and she was going to school to learn English because she's an immigrant. She's from Nicaragua. And, um, you know, it was it was a tough childhood. I can't say that I remember a lot of it. unfortunately, um, I do remember, you know, just growing up on the block and playing with my cousins because my cousins lived across the street. And then I also had a set of cousins that lived right next door.
0: Oh, that's convenient. And
1: yeah, it was, yeah. It was so convenient. So I was the only girl. They were all boys. And I had two brothers. So um, they took really good care of me, always made sure that I was taken care of. Um, and I just, you know, that's a lot of my memories are just playing around on the block, playing kickball, um, doing like the two hand touch football because, mm. you know, like they were scared to hurt me. <laughs> uh, and then eventually, um, yeah, eventually girls, girls started moving to the block. So I started having like girlfriends and, and that was a completely different dynamic. I was such a tomboy. Mm. And so, um, you know, uh, that was, that was life at home with my mom and then my dad, he was living in Queens at the time. So he would come and get me and my, uh, my brother, my older brother. Uh, like every couple weeks and we would go spend like the weekend with him or spring break with him or the summer with him and he would he would really show us like the world like he would take us on vacation and he would take us to do fun things and you know a lot of the things that my mom couldn't do because she was working so hard and so um it was uh it was it was a unique childhood yeah um but I you know I took I took I took a lot from it and I learned a lot from it, right, especially now as an adult being able to reflect on a lot
0: of that so it, it sounds like there was some contrast and experiences and between what it was like you know in Camden and then the times when you would go out of town and get that experience with your pops um it, in Camden when you were growing up and you had your cousins around and such you said you spend a lot of time playing um was there was there anything that caught your eye? as far as interest like things that you truly loved to do you know when you were playing around it may have it may have just been fun and entertainment but was there anything that really resonated with you at that
1: point um you know I always I always noticed when I was younger and still to this day that um like I just really enjoy connecting with people and just like being close to people and to this day like you know, you just sit and you just talk smack. Like that's my favorite thing to do. Like Mm. this podcast is great. (laughs) I'm so excited um, to be sitting here and just talking and just making a genuine connection with people. Um, and like, so that's something that I always enjoyed doing. I also always enjoyed art. Um, obviously, um, it's manifested in my adulthood in ways that I never would have imagined as a child, but I was the kid who always wanted that, uh, that, that art set, you know, the one yeah. that comes with the markers and the, and, the, and it comes like in the foldable little bin. <laughs> so um, I always wanted that for Christmas and, you know, I probably got one or two in my childhood. Um, they were terrible quality in hindsight, but they definitely got, you know, your creative juices flowing. Uh, I always liked to do the chalk outside uh, just to do like hopscotch or drawing and things like that. So that was always something that piqued my interest from the rip.
0: All right. And what, can you identify a time period or like around how old are you when you're starting to discover this interest?
1: Um, I honestly can't identify a time period because I feel like I was born with it. Like mm. it's something that I have, my mom always says to this day, like, I don't know where the heck she got that from because she never took a single art class. Oh really? She never got any formal training. She didn't do, she's just always from the rip. I remember even being in kindergarten um, and I, I have like this vivid memory of like a girl sitting next to me, and we were for some reason we were all drawing the same landscape. We were doing like a beach, and I drew my water um, with a certain texture, like my my water. And I remember the girl uh, next to me like crying because mine was so good, <sighs> and um, just just having that acknowledgement that I was I was really nasty at this <laughs> art stuff as early <laughs> as kindergarten. You know what I'm saying? So um, I just I just. It was just something that was I think I till this day say, like it's it's God's gift to me. Mm. There's just no reason um why I should should be like this.
0: Now did it run in the family? Was there anyone else that, that participated in art? Nope. Wow. No.
1: Nope. That's why my mom is like, What? Yeah. <laughs> like where did you get this from? That's awesome. Yeah, no no one in my family is creative really.
0: What was it about art at that time for you? And I'm sure maybe it's evolved now as you've gotten older mm. and have begun to understand life, but at that time period, you you had a natural knack for it and connection to it. What was it about it that really made you love it?
1: Well, it's funny. Like I liked it because it took my mind off things, you know, it was just like a funnel for me to mm. just you know, I spaced out. I would space out and it just gave me a place to to just to just be and to express myself. Um, I don't think that I was thinking about it in that way when I was a kid. You know, I think it was just like, oh, this is fun. This is cool. Um, But I do think that it was like a form of escapism for me. And so, yeah, that's the purpose it served as a child.
0: Yeah. What was your experience with your folks and your connection to art at that time? Your parents, you you wouldn't live with both of them at the same time, but uh, you had experiences spending time with each of them. Were they supportive of this hobby? Were they, you know, and how did they facilitate some of the interests that you had in it?
1: Yeah, um, so <laughs> my parents, my mom uh, wasn't always so supportive because at the time, you know, she's an immigrant. She's been working her behind off our entire lives to to, to to make sure that we're good and that we're set for the future. And so to her, she didn't see it as um, like a, a feasible outlet to make income or to make money. And so, you know, she bought me the art sets and, you know, she 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 would come to like, you know, whenever I would show work at school, um, she would come and see, but I don't think that she ever really saw the potential. Um, like, un- like I don't think she ever saw it unfolding the way that it is. Right. My dad, uh, he just kind of is always supportive. He just is like, whatever. <laughs> like, as long as you're happy, you just do it. He'd always open up the paint on, on Microsoft, you know, the regular mm-hmm. basic paint. He would always open it up for me to play with at his place, so... He was—he's supportive, but he's always been supportive with everything. Um, my mom now is like my number one fan, though. Oh yeah, absolutely. She be pushing yeah. my work everywhere I go, always telling me you don't do enough, you don't you don't charge <laughs> enough, you need to do more. You could be here, you could be there with whoop. So, um, you know, now she's like in a, in a much better position to yeah. understand like the passion and understand where it can where it can go. And so, I'm grateful for both of their uh, their efforts in that.
0: Right. So at that time you you're finding an interest in it. Does it feel like, well, I just love to do this? Or is your childhood aspiration, oh my goodness, I want to be an artist growing up?
1: No. So I actually didn't want to be an artist like professionally okay. up until my adulthood. Okay. Um, you know, it wasn't until maybe my junior year in college where I was like, I can probably like do this for real. Mm. Um, prior to that, I always thought that, you know, I wanted to be like a lawyer or I wanted to be a social worker or something with social impact. Um, and I still want to do social impact, but I definitely want my art to be um, the vehicle that I do that with.
0: That's dope. So back then, what what do you think drew you towards law and, um, the, I'm forgetting the other one you said, you said social a lawyer work. and, yeah, social, and work. social work. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think drew you to those?
1: Well, you know, growing up in Camden, you're definitely exposed to a lot of the injustices of our system, right? Like, people are living in poverty when they don't need to be. Um, Kids are being locked up when they really just need some direction. And um, so I always wanted to just have an impact on that. I felt like um, I've always felt like a a strong leader. I've always had very strong leadership qualities, Um, never been shy to speak in public. And so I just saw those... um, like skills that would that would work well in those in those um, areas of work
0: right do you remember there being any connection to like was there any outside influence or was were those interests you know purely from just what your experience was in the world like did any of that come from your your parents and maybe like you even had mentioned your mother um implying that art wasn't a a feasible way of like making a, a living and such at least at that time, she thought. Um, you know, do you think that any of that nudge to do something more "quote unquote" practical came from parental guidance? Or?
1: Um, well, yeah. My mom, from the very jump, she always poured into us like our possibilities. She would tell us as a little kid that we could be anything we wanted. Um, and you know, I what wanted me, what, what inspired me to 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 desire a profession in law. Was in third grade, I was in the mock trial, and I was a lawyer. I played the the role of a lawyer, mm. and I lost. Mm. And so I I lost, I lost. <laughs> I lost, I lost. Um, and so I was like, yo, I I loved it though. I loved advocating, um, for my client. Um, and I, even though I lost, I was actually really sad. I cried and everything. Mm. Um, I felt like you know, I felt like I had to redeem myself. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm gonna be a lawyer, yeah. and I'm never gonna lose again. Like. So, um, but yeah, I definitely think that my parents, like seeing, seeing the like seeing how my parents uh, managed um, what they could definitely made me want to like do more and right. be bigger and make their sacrifices worth it. So, and they're both immigrant parents and so um, they both had to work really, really hard to, to be where they are now. And so they've always inspired me to yeah. do more and to be bigger. And so.
0: Was there ever any action that went towards. Some of those goals, law and social work, like did you begin to pursue them in any kind of way, even um, if it was like through school, government, or something?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I did, I did some immigration advocacy work in my undergrad, um, and I also, uh, <laughs> when I first got to Rutgers, <laughs> I wanted to study psychology, mm. and so I wanted to eventually like uh, be like a social worker, but I wanted to have a psychology lens. Um, and I really wanted to focus on mental health, specifically in children and I also wanted to study art, uh, so that I could do like art therapy. Okay. And so I did somet I did I did for the most part uh, try to pursue those things, but um little by little I just took a different path. I changed my major like four times. Right. And, you know.
0: But in childhood it was it was an interest that you maybe eventually worked towards. Like there was there wasn't anything in that particular space of like, you know, your K through eight experience that may have like touched on some of that?
1: No, just my environment. Okay. Always my environment. You know, literally waking up in Camden and going to sleep in Camden every single morning. Um and then, uh, you know, I went to I went to the public school up until I was in sixth grade. Um and it was a terrible school. Mm -hmm. Um I didn't realize at the time how terrible it was because I was a kid and it was to me that was the norm. And but it was just bugs everywhere, um, teachers that did not care, uh, like it was just very poor management, and it was just it was just a bad experience. It's not something it's not somewhere where I would want to send my child. You know, it's not something I would want for anyone. Um, I was able to go to a Catholic school um, for grades six through eight mm-hmm. because my mom was a secretary, and so. That was a much better experience. I could feel that that like uh, the educ like the education that they were offering me was a lot tougher, and it required a lot more of my attention. Mm. Um, something that I wasn't happy with yeah, at that moment. Ask. Um, and I was actually pretty upset because I wanted to go to the public school with all my friends. And my mom was like, "No, like this is the opportunity that that like you have, and this is what you're gonna do." And I was like, "Man, like forget this." <laughs> um, Um, But, you know, obviously in hindsight, I'm grateful that she did that. Yeah. Um, And so later on, you know, um, eighth grade year, I really wanted to go to this private school in Cherry Hill.
0: So now you're off the public school wave now. I'm off the public school wave
1: right now. I'm like, okay, bet. Is that
0: because at the end of eighth grade, you're like, oh, wow, this was worth it. I enjoyed it? Or...
1: It was less of that. It was Mm. more of like, well, these are my friends now and Mm. all my friends want to go there. So I want to go there. Um, But also it was like just this prestigious institution Mm. that, you know, everyone in that school, um, like put on a pedestal. And so for me, like that was now like the new, the new greatness, you know what I'm saying? And so I wanted to go there, um, and I would go to like the football games. Sometimes I was like in eighth grade, going to high school football games, where I was cool. Hey, you
0: bobbing. But I liked it. Yeah,
1: I liked it. And I saw some of the people who went to like my grammar school go there and do cool things. And so I was like very influenced by by like my people, the people like who I who I surrounded myself with. And yeah. so yeah, I ended up getting a full scholarship to that school. Um, wow. Yeah, and I went. <laughs> I went to the school, and that is when I really realized, like, the stark difference between like Camden's public education system and the suburban, like, private school education system. Mm. Because the school was beautiful; like, it was clean, 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 clean. I had like my own locker. Um, we had locks on our lockers that the school gave us. Right. <laughs> The school, the food was great. Like, it was not coming in no cardboard container. Like, mm. they would cook it that day. You had to pay for it. It wasn't free. There was no free meal option. Um, so that was, like, kind of weird for me. Yeah. Um, and there was just, like, there was just so many resources in that building. And that was also the first time that I've ever really been in a space that wasn't majority, like, black and Latino. And so mm. that was, like, a super culture shock. Yeah. And I found myself trying to assimilate in so many different ways. And so, um, yeah, that was when I really realized um like the importance of space. And what when you I mean talk about that? yeah, when I talk about space, I talk about this often and it's low-key my purpose, what I believe is my purpose in this world. I think like physical space and the and the way in which we occupy it, uh, it leaves um it leaves like uh, an impact on us in regards to like what it is that we deserve, and how it is that we work towards what we deserve, right? So if you put a bunch of kids like in this beat up, ugly school, ugly school that's infested with with bugs, and the teachers are mean and they don't got no space for themselves, they're gonna grow up and they're gonna think like, all right, well this is the norm, this is what I deserve,
2: mm.
1: you know what I'm saying? And they're not gonna want more because right. they don't know more, right? But if you go and you you then put them same kids in, like, let's say a Google office. Yeah. They're going to be like, this, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> right. this is amazing. Like, I wish I could go to school here. Yeah. Um, and so, um, once you get that exposure, like, you become hungry for it mm-hmm. and you want more of it. And so... You know, I do believe that part of my purpose in doing, doing the murals and doing, doing the youth work is like creating spaces of possibility and empowerment where young people um, feel like there are limitless opportunities and limitless possibilities. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's fire. yo, space is so important. Yeah. Space is so important, like so important.
0: So you get this new space at this time in your life and I'd almost argue you had a precursor to it, right? It sounded like that first Catholic school experience was in some way almost like a you know a preview of what you would experience at this next level. Yeah, and now you're at this this next level school um for high school. Mm-hmm. and it's this tremendous space, and you realize all of this possibility. What does that feel like to you in that moment? Like, are you cognizant of I know you realize that it was different, but mm-hmm. what did it feel like to you? As far as recognizing potential opportunity or any other changes that that may have been more, you may have been more conscious of?
1: Yeah, well, I think like there was like a lot of feelings that I had with Mm -hmm. that. I don't think that I had the language at the time to express myself or to even understand what I was feeling or thinking. Um, But I knew that as soon as I stepped into that school um, and I saw like how nice it was, like I knew immediately that I would have to do more. Right, and that I would have to push myself a little harder. And so that was fine. It was cool. Um, it was the assimilation piece that really got to me. Oh, like, I feel like I really lost a lot of my identity in that building. Um, and in those four years, um, like space is like, yes, physical space, but also like how we occupy space, right? And so me being so different looking and, um, you know, not being like a white person when in a majority white space, um, I found myself taking up less space, right, to not stick out more, and so I found myself taking up less space. And I still find myself sometimes uh, trying to do that, and not necessarily finding uh, like strength in the space that I'm able to take up. Right. Um, I'm going off on a tangent, and I feel like I'm like losing my point. But um,
0: well, I guess I I was asking you about if you realized what was being presented to you, because you talked about this change of space Mm -hmm. and how you realized that there were so many opportunities or that you notice now that there were so many opportunities, but back then, like, did it feel like, wow, I really have a chance to change the trajectory of things from like, you know, what, like, what were you, what were the feelings you were experiencing in that time?
1: Yeah. 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 I definitely noticed that there was like, this is it. Like, all right, I made it into this prestigious school like, I know that the world is, like, my oyster. Like, mm-hmm. this is the this is the first step in the right direction. Um, and keep in mind that, like, out of all the kids on the block, me and my older brother were the only ones who went to private school. And so, like, I could see my experience, and I would, like, draw a comparison to their experience and where, where I thought or I could see them heading and where I could see myself heading. And so I knew that it was different. I knew that it was a different space. I knew that it would afford me different opportunities and possibilities, um, so I was totally clear on that.
0: Was it difficult for you knowing, like you know, there's sometimes there's this theory of or this concept of like survivor's guilt almost. Oh yeah. You know what? What was it like navigating that?
1: It was. Um, it was hard. It was hard on on both ends, you know. Like, my cousins started to believe that I was acting differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I stopped hanging out on the block as much. I started just focusing on my studies. And so they were like, oh, she acting funny. She thinks mm-hmm. she's too good for us. She in her little Catholic school uniform with woody <laughs> Um, And at the same time, I was like, yo, I got to I gotta focus. I got to lock in. Like, I ain't got time to play games. Like, I got, you know, all these things that I want to achieve. And so there was a lot of survivor's, survivor's guilt, though. It was tons because a lot of my cousins didn't even graduate high school, you know, and Camden has, um, has like an average high school rate of like high school graduation rate of about 56%. So it was very, very low. Wow. Um, and it's gotten better recently. Now it's like in the sixties, but when I was in high school, it was like in the forties. And so, um, some of my cousins didn't graduate high school and, um, for years, like that transition like really weighed on our relationship so much so that we didn't even really speak for years. Mm. Yeah, it was actually pretty crazy. Like I didn't know how to act and I guess they didn't know how to act either. And these are people that I grew up with who I know, who know me very well. And it's crazy. Um, and I remember one time uh, it was like the holidays and I was like going to get something from my mom's car or something. And I think I like I was at a, like I was like a senior at this point and my cousin was outside and he was like yo Kel's like come here and I was like what happened <laughs> and he's like yo what's up with you like you don't come out here no more and I was just like yo like I'm just you know I'm focused and he was just like yeah well like you know like we cousins like I love you like I still love you and it was like I think it was like Christmas and it was like snowing as soon as he started talking to me. So it felt like a Christmas miracle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It felt like, um, like everything that I was thinking, um, was all in my head. And, um, you know, I'm glad that he he came up to me and had that conversation with me because after that, like I was able to like make those, make those amends and rebuild those, um, rebuild those relationships. So now, even though that, like, I have moved on and I'm away from the city and I'm away from the block, obviously, and they're still there. Like, every time I come through, it's all love. It's always love. And yeah. so, you know, that's something that I feel much more comfortable sitting in. That's awesome. Um, yeah, That's
0: really powerful. And the fact that you you all had the opportunity to connect in yeah. that kind of way and clear the air. Sometimes it's just a matter of, like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: being able to get the opportunity to in a vulnerable space yeah, to have that conversation and say, oh, this is how I'm feeling, you know? Yeah. So that's powerful for sure.
1: Yeah, I was proud of him for coming up to me and being that vulnerable, actually, because yeah. I didn't have it. Like, I didn't have the maturity right, um, or the foresight to have that conversation yet.
0: Something else I was curious about was, you know, th- this space thing is really fascinating me. Mm-hmm. And um, you talked about starting in a space that may have not represented what all the possibilities that you could potentially have and uh, you talk about the public school system you started in and mm-hmm. then the um, the Catholic school that you went to where there was a shift and then the uh, private school after that that created an even bigger shift for you mentally take me through the mindset that you had initially in the public school like what did you how are you feeling about yourself as far as possibilities you know, what, what did you aspire for? And, um, you know, what did you think was possible at that time? And how did that shift?
1: I think at that age, it's like so hard because you, you have such a limited perspective. Um, and you know, I knew that I wanted to be successful. I didn't know what successful. Like, like I didn't know, you know, I knew I I, I wanted to be a lawyer. I didn't really know what that meant though. Like I knew that it, it meant advocating for folks um, and being in courtrooms, but, um, I think that I knew that I wanted more. I knew that I, I could, I knew that I wanted to build a bigger life for myself, but I didn't know what that looked like. You know what I'm saying? Right. Once you're, once you're, once you're exposed to what that could look like, then it looks differently. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know what anything looked like other than what I what, what I knew.
0: So, so the the interest had been there. Yeah. The interest but I didn't to have like the a vision. Like, right.
1: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I couldn't really paint a picture.
0: Okay. And so what what the new opportunities did was to be able to provide access to seeing some possibilities. Right. A like, frame of reference.
1: Like, yes, it was a frame of reference. It was like Growing up in Camden, I knew this is all of this, all this around me. This is what I don't want.
0: Mm. Right. Like that's, and
1: that's as far as my perspective could go. Right. So you were just like, oh, I don't want this. this. I don't want that. Don't want right. this. Don't want that. Um. But once you start seeing more of the world, you're like, okay, now I could pick, I could pick the parts that I do want. I want this. I like that. Let me get two of those. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> seeing um, all the opportunities. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that was like really the shift.
0: Okay. Dope. And uh, out of curiosity, during this high school phase now at the private school, what role is art playing in your life at this time?
1: Oh, my gosh. So, art art played a super, super pivotal uh, role in my high school experience. I was not popular ever in life. I've never been a popular person. Um, and when I was in high school, you know, I looked differently than the rest of my peers. And, you know, I had peers who looked like me as well, but I've just never blended in. And so... Um, I think in high school, that's when I really started to realize that I liked art, for real. Like, that I'm, I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my art teacher, her name is uh, Ms. De Camillo. Um, and I attribute a lot of, like, my art success to her still to this day. Because, you know, when I had study hall or lunch or when I was there before school and after school, I was always in Ms De Camillo's room. And I would take her art classes, you know, I would be in art class with her. And I remember I'd always do, you know, we'd do the, we'd do the pieces. And then when you were done, everyone had to, um, display all of their work. And then we'd go peer by peer and we'd critique each other's work. Oh, wow. And so we'd start with the class favorite and then we'd work down and we'd, you know. Oh. And yeah, it was pretty <laughs> intense. It was, crazy. it was not, it was, people got <laughs> mass sensitive. Um, but I found that like my work was constantly being picked, um, and people were like, that one's really good. And you never knew whose was whose. Yeah. So people would just pick the one that they liked the most. Right. Um, and I was I was constantly getting picked. And I feel like she saw it in me. And so she would always tell me, like, come after school. Come during study hall. Come mm-hmm. during this. Come during that. And she would give me side projects. And she would do this. And she would do that. And so she really poured into me. And she kind of, like, presents me to the fact that, like, I'm, I'm talented. Like, I had this talent. Um, like I said prior to that, I had never taken any formal training. No classes. No nothing. Um, other than just, like, regular, like you know, art class in school. Um but yeah, prior to that I hadn't I had no real exposure. And so she she was she was I remember when I was graduating, she was like pushing me to go to art school. And I was like, nah, like I'm gonna just, you know, I'm gonna go do this. <laughs> Cause I just didn't see I didn't see it the way she saw it. And so um, you know, after I painted my first mural, I emailed her and I was like, yo <laughs> Look what I did! Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Very full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had to email her. So.
0: so, so this is this is interesting to me because it you get this exposure in this new space and a new possibility is exposed to you just as far as what art could be mm-hmm. to you in your life, and it's a small win in the sense where you're like, wow, I, I'm talented. My artwork is getting picked and all that, which sounds like an ego boost, right? Yeah, but a little bit. right but but then there's also this there's like this um this element of I don't know if it's doubt or what holds you back but like you're not you're not because you know she's telling you to pursue this thing yeah but you're like "Mm, I don't know if I want to what was it about how you were feeling that prevented you from wanting to actually try to manifest that
1: I think it was just the fear that, like, I couldn't make money off of it. You know, I grew up poor. Like, I don't want to be poor again, like...
0: So, it wasn't about ability?
1: I don't think so. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think it was about ability at that time. I think it was, it was really about, um, you know, not being able to see a future with it. But it was also, I think, like, at that point, I hadn't found my style yet. And so, I knew that I was really good at doing, like, art prompts. Like, oh, paint this thing, got you. Da-da-da, got you. And so... While I really enjoyed seeing, like, the capacity of my skill, I didn't necessarily, like, feel creative doing it. Okay. You know, I just liked locking in and, and, you know, escaping into it. Right. Um. And so, like, I knew technically I had it down, but creatively, like, I was lacking at that time.
0: Okay. Okay. So, this brings us to probably around the end of high school, right? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what was the college application process like, and how did you end up where you did
1: well, I know I wanted to go to Rutgers since I was like four.
0: Okay, yeah. why was that?
1: Why? Because when I was four, around that age, I was in the back seat of my mom's car, and she was talking to my aunt. They were like both in the front seat. And my mom, I remember her vividly saying this still. She was like, you know, a lot of people have bad, in Spanish, she's saying it in Spanish, a lot of people have bad things to say about Camden, but we got one of the best universities in the country. Mm. And I just remember as a kid, like, Seeing that as like the American dream, like okay, okay Rutgers is that like that's where I want to go then. Yeah, and from there I just I just held on to that and so.
0: But you you ended up doing Rutgers New Brunswick, right?
1: Yeah, I ended up going to Rutgers New okay. Brunswick. Yeah.
0: But just like the vision of the fact that there was Rutgers Camden and that gave yeah. you exposure to the university. Yeah. You then were able to connect that to New Brunswick. Right. Okay. Right. So you decide on Rutgers New Brunswick, you get in and you you get there freshman year. What happens?
1: Uh so. I got, I got to, I got I got to work as freshman year. You know, I, I, I didn't, um, I tried painting for a little bit, but I was just so caught up in like getting adjusted and getting acclimated to the new, to the new environment, um, that I didn't really have a lot of time for it. And I also just didn't find that I had space, like mental space and physical space. Um, like painting does take up space. Like you got to store your paint, your brushes, you got to put your canvas, you got to get an easel, and I just didn't have that. And so... Uh, my freshman year, a couple of friends, they took me to uh, this, this dope event by Verbal Mayhem. It was an open mic. And I remember sitting there. And at that time, Verbal Mayhem now is, like, huge. It's, like, hundreds of people go. Back then, it was, like, 20 people in a classroom. Mm. Um, and I remember sitting there and, like, seeing people go up and do their poems. And it was killing it. And I was like, yo, this shit. Just, this like <laughs> right. i need to do this like yeah. i need to do this
0: now had you um, ever written poetry up to that point never okay so you're just seeing this and you're like whoa this is like, this new art form that you're that's really resonating with you
1: yeah i was just so like i was hanging off their every word and with the feelings that they were giving me i was like i gotta give this to people <laughs> i gotta find a way so um you know i wrote my first poem after that it was terrible
0: What made it terrible?
1: Oh, it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, it was just bad. Like, it was just on some super simple Dr. Seuss (laughs) rhyme scheme. Like, it was just, it was just, it was, oh my God, it was cringeworthy. (laughs) Uh, I hear you. I still have it somewhere in one of my journals, but.
0: (laughs) You got to start somewhere.
1: Yeah, you got to start somewhere. So, you know, little by little, I started to, you know, get better, obviously. Um, And I started uh, finding that you know it was it was my new outlet and so um it was cool because what i really like about poetry is that you know you can tell a story and you can be really honest and open and raw and vulnerable but also like super hidden and discreet because like you're you're under the mask of the poetry you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, like I'm saying all this and it's real, but it's the poem. It's yeah. not me. You yeah, feel yeah, what yeah. me? Yeah. It's not so, necessarily my life. <laughs> right, 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 right. You you know what I'm saying? So, um <laughs> that I really liked it. And for, you know, I did it for, for, for a few years and I, I feel like I, I got pretty good at it. Um, started doing um started performing at a lot of events and so that was like my, you know, my I took a hiatus from painting and I really delved into the poetry for a minute.
0: Did it, Did you find that it gave you different feelings, or were the feelings exactly the same?
1: Way different. Okay. Completely different.
0: And if you had to compare and contrast, what what were the differences for you?
1: I think that um, you know they may also like these feelings might be different because like just the time period and just like where I was in life right. at that moment. You know, I was I was adjusting and I was getting acclimated and I was going through a whole other like culture shock phase. Um, and I was also, like, learning who I was when I wasn't home with my family. And so I had to, like, like who am I really? And so, you know, for me, the poetry, it really um, helped me, like, unravel that a little bit. Like, really understand who I am without my mom's influence, without, um, like, the, the boundaries of my city, without, you know, all these folks influencing me in different ways. And so, um, but if I had to compare it, you know, when I do... When I did the the poetry, um, it was like a very like painful, like sobering experience, mm. like very powerful and just like I just felt naked. And so, but I found I found power in that, you know. I found a lot of like peace and power in it. Whereas now, when I'm painting and I'm doing murals. Like, it's just straight power and light and brightness and, like, love and just, like, infectious, just positivity. Right. That's how I feel when I'm painting now um, and when I get to share with other people. So both, like, pay, play such a significant and important role in, like, you know, development and things like that. And so I think they serve each, each serve their purpose respectively. Right. Um, and so I don't want to discount one for the other. But for sure. definitely different feelings.
0: Do you still write?
1: Um, yeah, I do sometimes. Okay. Not as frequently though. I'm okay. a little rusty now. Um, <laughs> but I write, and when I do write, like it, it, it comes back to me. That's but, dope. Yeah. So.
0: So freshman year, you leverage poetry as a way to access those emotions. You weren't painting as much, given the new space and mm-hmm. lack of tools and all that stuff at that time. What happens after that freshman year, and you do you go back to painting? at all in undergrad or is that are you mostly dabbling in writing
1: so i did writing i did writing my entire undergraduate career up until like maybe six months before graduation
2: okay
1: yeah and i don't even know what prompted me uh to start painting but i just had like an epiphany i had like an image in my head that i Mm. wanted to paint and so i was like "Mm," like i don't even have any supplies with me like i went and bought a bunch of like the little dollar acrylic paints and I use like, you know, the phone presentation boards. I use that as a canvas. Like, and I was just like, "Yo, I'm going to just do a thing. Yeah. And so I, I painted the, the thing and my friends were like, yo, that's dope. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. And it's funny because it was the first time that I had ever really um, done something that wasn't prompted, like painted something that wasn't prompted. And mm-hmm. so that was like a lot of like the barriers back in high school yeah. um, where I felt like I couldn't find my style. And so that was the first time that I did something that I felt like was genuine to me and it was like a reflection of how I saw the world. And, you know, I did that and it was Do you cool. remember what the painting
0: was? Yeah. What yeah. was
1: it? It's 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 like a I went through a phase in undergrad um, where I did like a series of like collage paintings where people would come up to me and be like, Oh, can you can you do me one of those? And they would give me a list of like anywhere from like 10 to like 15, 20 items that were important to them, like symbols or, you know, and so I would just paint them in a way that, you know, it all looked cohesive. And so they had, at the end, they had like this one composite piece of a bunch of things that mattered to them. And so it was something like that, but it was like my own personal one. And so I couldn't really describe it because there were so many things on there, but, um, it was all just like pieces of like the culture at the time and like things that mattered to me. And so, um, yeah, and so I, after that, after I did that one painting, everyone was like, oh, that's dope. Can you do exactly that? But can you do it for me? And I was like, all right, but like, I got you. So I did a few of those. And then somebody asked me to do graduation caps. So I did a graduation cap, and I found that I was really good at that, too. People started hitting me up for graduation caps. And I did that for, like, you know, like a year. And then I did it, like, two years after I graduated as well. And so now I'm getting into the space where I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I can make some I can make some money. This could be my side hustle. Like, yeah. You know, I'm charging, like, this much for a cab, this much for a little painting. Um, this is cool. Like, I could rock with this.
0: This is the first time you're like, oh, wow, this is, there's a monetary aspect to this.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I can make some money. But I still didn't think that I could make a living off of it, right. like, at all. I was like, I can't, no.
0: Do you consider that a challenge? Like, was that, was it just kind of like, a, ah, well, I'm not going to make money off it, and, like, that didn't bother you? Or at this point, are you... Are you connecting with it at a level where you're like, man, I really enjoy this and I wish I could make money? Like, is it hurting you? Is it hurting you that you feel like you can't make money at that time?
1: Um, not necessarily. No, okay. no, because like I just, you know, I, I never sat and imagined my my future in that way. So it wasn't something that I was attached to. It was just something I I literally just saw as like a side hustle,
0: right? And that's because there was law and uh, and uh, I cannot social work, right? That well, you... you know, at
1: that point I okay. changed my major again, okay. so I was doing women and gender studies, and so I was super focused in social justice and restorative justice practices, and I knew that I wanted to work with young people. Um, and I was interning with an organization called the Future Project at the time, and um, you know we were doing Is that future scholars. No, Sep- no, 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 separate, no, separate okay. yeah. um, They're a New York-based, they were a New York-based organization, and uh, they had, like, a national network. So we were active in several high schools all around the country across eight different cities. And we just basically did, like, possibility impact work with young people. Um, and so that's where I was thinking. I was like, my life is in social impact. Like, I want to work with young people. That's what I want to do. Right. And so for me again like the art was just a side hustle like i was a broke college student and i was like let me just make some money here and there yeah
0: but it's a passion in, in the same sense it's like it's more than just money right it's like y'all this like i'm in,
1: yeah like i enjoyed it i the loved it yeah, yeah like i would do it i would paint it and people would tell me that they'd want to that they they want this and i'd be like all right bet i'm gonna do it and i remember like i just always loved like that moment where you hand it off to them and they're like oh. I love it. Yeah. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> like, <laughs> validation. like, on cloud nine, validation right. gave it to me. So um, I'm like, just like going off. Like, you know, I really enjoyed it. I did. That's dope. Yeah.
0: So take me through some of the adversity that you experienced. Because like, you know, of course, through any journey, through college, through this mm-hmm. new space, through finding art as an outlet, mm-hmm. both painting in high school and then poetry in college. There's, there has to be some, inevitably, there's these down periods of time, adversity and such. What was that like for you, you know, and and how did you kind of navigate through that space through, you know, some of these really great moments?
1: Um, Are we still in college or are we like just in college? college. Okay, so, um, dang, do I want to go there?
2: (laughs) I mean, you don't have to. I
1: guess I'll go there. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when I was in college, I was a victim of sexual assault. And that was, like, a really, really difficult uh, span of years for me. Like, it was, like, having my sophomore year. And I really, really, you know, still, you know, you you never get over that type of stuff, right? It always leaves a mark on you. And um, I remember, um, like just feeling completely empty and just disassociated and I got to a point where like I couldn't even feel something if I wanted to like it was a really dark time um, and you know a lot of it is just foggy and um, I remember at some point um, records was like doing uh, like a campaign against sexual assault. Mm. And it was like a year-long campaign, and the culminating event was like this huge showcase of artists, and And I was asked to to do a poem there. Wow. And I was like, dang, what, am I going <laughs> to write this poem? Like, Keep in mind that I've tried to write the poem before. I tried to write it so many times, and it ended up being something else, right. or it ended up being someone else's story, and it wasn't mine. Um, and so it was something that I always wanted to write about, and I feel like I would find healing in writing about it, but I just never did. And so um, I didn't write the poem up until like two days before the event, because it was just like, it was like, it was it was really heavy, mm-hmm. and I was avoiding it. And I was scared to write, I was scared uh, to confront it, and to, I was just scared to see, like, I was scared of what would come up. And you know, nonetheless, I I ended up writing the poem and I performed it in front of in front of a crowd of like 500 people. Wow! And I was like super super naked and I was just like so vulnerable and I was shaking. It was like you know, at that point I'd been I'd been performing for like three years, so I was like, ain't nothing, I'm good. Uh, like it was hard. For, it was hard pieces. for me to feel those nerves again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But for that poem, yeah. it was like I was so shook. I was so out of myself, and so. You know, I did it. And writing it was, like, very, like, it was healing in itself, right? But it was really sharing it that made it, like, super, super healing. Mm. Um, because after I got off that stage, like, I kid you not, like, 30 women came up to me. Like, oh. yo. I'm just like, thank you. Like, thank you. Like, it happened to me, too. Thank you. You're so brave. Thank you. Like, and I was just, like, yo. Like, this is crazy, and just, like, knowing that, you know, me pushing past that uh, served a purpose, and it helped people, and it empowered people, and, you know, it made people feel comfortable in sharing their stories. It just made it worth it, and so, you know, that's art.
0: Yeah. It was like, you know, and I, I can relate to that. Showing yeah. your scars, you yeah. know, is always... It's liberating, right? Yeah. Like you know, you, you you can heal the scars, you mm-hmm. can heal the wound, and it turns into a scar for yourself, and it's like, all right, that's cool. But when yeah. you go and show them, it's like the veal is there's no more of that, right? It's like yeah, it's like you are taking it's, control it's of the, the narrative, right?
1: Yeah, like you're reclaiming this, exactly. like it's yours, and you turn it into you're turning it into power as yeah. opposed to letting it like have power over you. Yeah, and so that's real. Yeah.
0: That's really powerful for yeah. sure. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. So art, art <laughs> it gave definitely gave you that outlet um you know it's a passion and it's it's a side hustle but there's also this power and healing and and navigating your emotions during those times as well yeah. mm-hmm. okay so uh academically where do you end up landing what do you mean uh so you you said you had a couple of different majors and women yeah. and gender studies i think was the last one you mentioned yeah, is what that I where you finish yeah okay and what ends up being you? Gra- it's graduating graduation day, yeah. And it's the next chapter, and you're like, "All right, I'm going into the world." What's your aspiration there, and what's your first step?
1: So, um, you know, I finished my undergrad, and I immediately moved to DC, right? And I knew, you know, I went to DC. I don't think I knew that you had just graduated. I literally just finished. Oh wow! My last okay, last semester. Um, so. Um, I literally just wrapped up my last semester. I packed all my things up. I moved to D.C. on a whim. Um, and I just what was know, the
0: motivation behind going to D.C.?
1: You know, I had some friends that were living there at the time, and I went to go visit them, and I just loved the city. And, you know, at the time, I was super into, like, politics and um, just, like, activism, and I just felt like, you know, Washington, D.C. is, like, the pinnacle of that. And so um, I just saw, like, the opportunity there. You know, and I had friends who were who were like in my ear, like, come through, come through, come through. <laughs> so I'm like, I like I ain't doing that anyway. So um, you know, they ended up like helping me get a job out there and, you know, they helped me set set up my apartment out there. And, you know, we went and well, I went and it was cool. And you know, I did some youth work there. That was like my first um like experience out of out of school working with young people and it was definitely difficult moving to dc like i didn't realize how much i depended on like my family until i moved to dc and i didn't Mm -hmm. have them right there you know i had to say if i I wanted to see my family i would have to take a four-hour drive or take a four-hour bus and so um you know but also dc like I wouldn't be where I am today without that experience in D.C. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Big time. Big time. Because, you know, that was the first time that I ever really took a risk. Like, you know, like, you know, we all take risks daily. It is what it is. But that was the first time where I was like, I'm going to just go. I'm going to go completely be out of my comfort zone. I know like two and a half people there. (laughs) Like, and we just going to let it rock. Um, And even though, you know, I, I lived out there for like all of five months and then I came back home. Um, it still, like, showed me, like, one, how important my family is to me, right? And learning how to rely on them a little more and be a little more open with them. And my family has been so instrumental in, like, building me up to be the person that I am today, right? Um, but I also just was, you know, I tell I tell my young people all this all the time. It's like, yo, do things that make you uncomfortable just for fun. Like, do things that you're afraid of just for fun. Like, just do it. Because... Even if it doesn't serve you a purpose now, like in the future, it's going to be less scary. And if you do it two more times, it's not going to be scary at all. And so, um, you know, it was scary for me to leave. It was scary. Like, I was excited, but I was scared as heck. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I went and I failed. um, And that's okay. What does fail mean? Failure. Like, I just, I did not meet my expectations. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't push through it. You know, I saw that it was hard and I left, you know, like I, I, I punked out and that's okay. Like, I'm, I'm cool with owning that. Um, and the good thing about that was that like it was an experience that wasn't permanent. Like it wasn't something that was like long term destructive in my life. And so um, I'm okay with like owning that failure and seeing where where it, where it set me up. And the crazy thing about it is that you know had it not been for me moving to DC, the next opportunity would not have been lined up for me the way it was. And mm. so when I was in DC, i had actually um, I'd actually met up with um, some folks who were working at the Future Project. And I had interned at the Future Project for a year, and I knew that I wanted, like, a future there. And, um, but at the time, I wasn't even thinking about the Future Project. I was like, nah. And then I ran into them, and I was like, oh, snap, like, it's crazy. And they were like, yo, um, the applications to be a dream director are open. You gotta apply. Mm. And I was like, oh, snap. Yeah. I forgot that I even wanted to be a dream director, you know, because I, you know, so much had shifted, so much had changed. And so... Um, you know, with their, with the recommendation, like I ended up getting the position as a dream director in Newark. And so, um, you know, had I not run into them, yeah, like, I don't even think that I would have like remembered to apply.
0: Ain't it crazy the way things work? It is
1: crazy. Right. So I literally, I literally got accepted. Like I got the acceptance letter like a week before moving back to Jersey. Wow. And I was like that, we out.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. That's really incredible.
1: <laughs> the world is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So
0: um, I want to dive in, dive a, a little deeper into okay. this this experience um, leading up to this like this next big chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about failing and you said that it was tough. Walk me through the emotions right on a deeper level. Like what were you feeling in that experience, and what in particular felt tough about it?
1: Um, for me, it was like really just like being embarrassed. That like I I I caused all this ruckus. Like I'm leaving. I had a going away party. Like I told my family I'm out. Like you know it was I was embarrassed that I that I
0: when you were leaving Jersey. Yeah. It was like it was like I made a big thing.
1: Yeah. I made all this noise. Like I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And that's another lesson that I learned is like moving silences. Like (laughs) shut up. (laughs) So, Uh um you know I made all this ruckus and I made all this noise just to come back and I felt like I had my tail between my legs. And so it was a lot of embarrassment, and it was also just a lot of, like, me feeling like I betrayed myself, like I let myself um, fall for, like, an illusion that I myself created.
0: What was the illusion?
1: The illusion um, was that, I mean, illusion used loosely, right, because Mm -hmm. now that's different, but, um, like, the illusion that that I could just go and just be completely unprepared and just, you know, jump off a cliff and just do it. Mm. Uh, you know I thought that I was gonna build my life out there and that ended up not being the case and so um you know I guess you know there was some like self-betrayal there like how could you let yourself do this like why would you do that like you didn't even come here prepared and so you know it was a series of events that like led to me moving back and I was just like I didn't even consider this and so but hey
0: right so you end up landing this new gig and yes. you're super excited. You pack up things and go back to New Jersey. Yes. And you you were you were from South Jersey. Were you living in South Jersey when you were going to this, this uh, job in Newark or did you move to Newark?
1: Yeah. So I moved back to Jersey like in June mm-hmm. and I probably lived there for like um to South Jersey. I went back to South Jersey. I, I was there in my mom's crib for like a month and a half and then I moved to Newark. Uh-huh. Um, to start
0: my new job. So uh yeah. Oh, real quick, before we jump into this role in Newark, um, what role was art playing for you in this DC era?
1: Um, it wasn't playing too much of a role. You know, we did the we did the 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 self love Sundays and right. stuff like that. And so I knew I knew that I wanted to do um certain things. I was like making caps at this point at that at that point. I was learning Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, remember? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yes. Yeah. so i was teaching myself how to uh screen i like how to silk screen yeah. um i was like trying like i was experimenting and i was teaching myself how to sew so i felt like i was gearing up like i was gearing up um i was definitely like expanding my my palette my creative palette um i was trying to learn how to draw uh draw digitally that's something that i didn't have much experience with and so i was doing things um but not like on a very visible scale just like Little things. So
0: question uh, about that before, again, before we move on. Um, it's almost like, right, it's like, I, I'm thinking about this 99 Celsius thing. And like, it sounds like creatively you're expanding in this mm-hmm. way. That's not exactly what you said. It wasn't visible, right? Right. Um, you're you're printing hats and you're writing a lot. Like I, I saw yeah, you do some, some, open, some open mics, right? Um, was it maybe the lack of visual... Uh, manifestation that maybe it it wasn't as obvious to you that there were some some areas of growth for you creatively like like did you realize that you were maybe making um shifts or making strides rather in the areas that you're interested in Mm
1: -hmm.
0: was like were you making the progress and, and you didn't realize it
1: well I think that at the time like you know I set out to do a specific thing You know, and I didn't do that thing.
0: Mm. I did
1: other things and that's great. And it served, you know, it served its purpose. Yeah. But I did not do what I intended to do. Yeah. And so that was why I call that's why I call it a failure. And that's okay. I feel like we tend to like stay away from that word. Yeah. But I think that like you, you know, every failure is one step closer to your success. So give me all the failures. Let's get it.
0: (laughs) But it's almost like I guess I'm almost feeling like it you fell short in an area but like meanwhile there was a a major success potentially in this other area that you know like I almost feel like that era may have been connected to some of the art stuff that happens months down years down the line
1: I think so yeah like I don't I mean I think everything like everything happening now is a culmination of everything that I've been through right so I will never take back that time in DC yeah like I don't want you to think that you know, me calling it a failure. Yeah, yeah no, nah, I'm like, not, I'm not offended I see, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I see it as a failure, yeah. but I think, you know, it was a positive experience. Like, you know, I learned a lot. Yeah. I, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about how to move. Yeah. um, And I just, you know, I, I picked up a lot of new skills. And I will say also that D.C., I was super inspired by the mural work in D.C. Like, you yeah, know. There's,
0: there's some good stuff.
1: You know, I grew up in Camden and it's right across the bridge from Philly. And Philly is like a mega of murals. Mm-hmm um and so you know new brunswick not so much and so being in dc it was like very refreshing like oh hold up i forgot how much i loved murals like that's cool yeah and so
0: that's real yeah by the way i was i'm not offended at all I just, no you. i know. saw the connection to the 99 celsius and i'm like oh that feels like that felt like water heating up like that felt like yeah zero yeah, to yeah it 50 was definitely whatever, you know what i mean
1: yeah i was planting seeds yeah yeah seeds were being planted for, for sure
0: so you get back to to Newark now in this role, yeah. Um, and are you you loving it?
1: Oh, I'm in love. Okay. Oh, I'm so in love, head over heels. Like I was like, I knew this is what I wanted to do. I'm with young people every day. I'm having a positive um, impact. Um, my colleagues are just um like cream of the crop, like mm-hmm. best picks in the country, like. They're just so amazing, so influential, so inspirational. Everyone is living, a, like, a life of possibility. Everyone is, like, literally actively chasing their dreams. And I'm like, yo, like, what am I doing? Like, I, oh, need to, yeah. I need to do, you know, I knew that I was, I knew that I had the potential. I knew that I had the vision at this point. Um, and so being in that space kind of, like, gave me the mindset, you know. Like, I was surrounded by people who, who only believed in, like, possibility.
0: And real quick, what's the role doing?
1: Yeah, so as a dream director, um, you are working. So every dream director is responsible for a school, you're placed at a school. And then um, your responsibility is to build a team of students uh, called your dream team. And you are supposed to do like a set of activations across the school to uh, challenge this empowering norms and like create uh, spaces of possibility um, for the school and for the students. And so it's like, it's a role. that is placed, like, in partnership with the school, and, uh, like, you do these activations with the students, but they're all student-led, they're all student-run, they're all, they're all dreamed up by students, and so it's really just, um, like, giving them the agency, and giving them the permission, and helping them work towards, like, what it is that they would like to see unravel in their school, and so in addition to that, We'd also work with, like, their personal passion projects, and so I had students who wanted to start t-shirt lines, who wanted to start, like, different clubs, who wanted to, like, sell food, Mm -hmm. and so I worked with them and did coaching sessions, um, helped them out with resources and things like that.
0: Very dope. And when you say activations, is it just all-encompassing? I know a lot of times that tends to be utilized, like, I guess in, like, the art world with, like... Cool events and like things like that, but is it does it expand more than just that particular?
1: Yeah, I mean activations um, are, are are anything like anything that activates the students. So I had one student who wanted to do a Black History Club, um, a Black History Month um, open mic uh, like event, and That's so cool. that was an activation. Yeah, the kids never had a pep rally, so they wanted to have a pep rally. Mm, that was an activation. Yeah, uh, they wanted to do like this neon nineties like party situation. We did that, and so they were all just like. You know, positive experiences for the student student body. Right.
0: So, how long are you in that role?
1: I was in that role for a year.
0: Okay. And what ends up happening afterwards?
1: So afterwards, I transitioned um, into into an executive assistant. So I was working with the executive team for a year as well. Same um, company. Similar company. Okay. So it was there was a the future future project, and then um, they. Out of the future project was born another organization, which was a for-profit um, intended to sustain the the nonprofit and it was called the future Company. <laughs> got it. So um, yeah, so I transitioned to the executive assistant role. Um, and so I was still working with students. I was still working with folks who were working with students. Um, but I was I found that role significantly less inspiring mm. you know. <laughs> I learned a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I was working directly with the chief of staff. Her name is Sydney Henriquez Payne. Um, <laughs> and she's like phenomenal. She is phenomenal. She definitely did not let me slack. Yeah. Um, she taught me a whole lot. Um, and to this day we still have an excellent relationship. She's a huge mentor and friend to me. Um, and yeah, so uh I did that for a year. Uh it was super difficult. Um, I miss being with the students. I miss being in schools. Um, I was still with students, but not to the same capacity. And I remember Cindy would always be in my ear, like, "Yo, you need to, you need to create a digital portfolio. <laughs> you need to get your website popping." Mm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, "Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it." But like, I'm such in a... relation
0: to art.
1: Yeah, in relation to art, because she knew I was an artist. Um, at this point in time. Um, every summer we would have uh, what, we, what we would call Dream Academy mm-hmm. and that was when the entire country all of our colleagues would come together and we do training for anywhere from one to three weeks depending on the year and so um, at Dream Academy like it's tradition that everyone um, declares a dream for the year and so my dream for the year I was like I want to do a mural <laughs> so all of my colleagues knew that I wanted to do a mural Okay. keep in mind all of my colleagues are in schools <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, I'm going to just put it out there, yeah. right? Like, I don't know if I can do a mural, but I know that I want, I want to do a mural. Yeah. And so um, she's like, um, she's like telling me, like, you need to build your di- digital portfolio. um, And so eventually, you know, I was, I'm a perfectionist. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. But like, I want it to look perfect. And so she's like, nah, like, perfection is the enemy of greatness. Like, Ooh, get out of here, yeah. get out of here. Like, just do it. So eventually, I did. I did build the portfolio. So real quick,
0: um, when you come back from DC and you start in this role, mm-hmm. it's the focus is is very um, people driven. Your students and helping them see new possibilities yes. and expanding their minds. Is there an art component within these first two three years in this role that you're in? Or so, yeah, but
1: so let me clarify. Mm-hmm. I declared that mural dream. Mm-hmm. The summer, the Dream Academy, prior to me beginning my first year. So that summer, I came home. Oh, I right when from, you came home. Right when I came home. Okay, so you came right. home and
0: you were like, All right, "This yes. art thing is yeah." yeah, yeah. Is happening. So, like I said,
1: I was really inspired by the DC murals. Got it. And so I come home and I'm like, "Damn, I want to do some murals." Like. Okay. And so I go to Dream Academy. I say I want to do the murals, and then I start my first year as a Dream director.
0: And outside of work, are you are you painting again? Are you you know reconnecting yes yeah 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 I am
1: painting again at this point um yeah I started painting again when I was living uh in Newark I just moved back um and I I had like a like an opportunity to to create a series of, of paint works um that were that were shown at Viacom for a month
0: Should at Viacom?
1: Viacom Times Square, yeah.
0: That that ain't no uh, light situation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, I know. Wow. Um, Yeah, I be forgetting about that sometimes. I don't know why. But I had worked with them um, previously the year before. So for Latino Heritage Month, every month they do like a series of events. And so the senior, my last year at Rutgers, um, they invited me to do a piece that was raffled off. And so the year after that, they invited me back to do a whole series. Wow. And so that was, um, that was the first time I ever exhibited in my work, um, and it was in Viacontime Square.
0: Can we dive into this real quick? Just yeah. a little more. So the yeah. first year you worked with them, when you did the piece that was raffled off, how did that happen? Like, how did you make it into that world?
1: Yes, yeah, so I had a friend at the time. Um, she's actually my sorority sister. Her name is Natasha Nieves, and she's like a video producer. Um, and she... She was working there uh, at Viacom at the time for Nickelodeon. And she just, like, she knew that I was painting, and she knew that I wanted to do more. I was already doing the graduation caps. I was already doing the, the like, the collage points or pieces. And so she hit me up on Instagram. She's like, yo, like, we they want to do, like, some sort of art situation. Like, are you down? I'm like, I'm down. Like, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, I did that, and I went and muraled it off. Um, well, they raffled it off, um, and that was a super dope experience. I was like so humbled, so nervous, so anxious, but I just, that was the first time where I was like, this is it. Like, that was the moment. Mm. When I, when I got, when I got that opportunity, I was like, I could, I could do something like this. Like, I could really do this. Okay. Okay. You know, like, yeah. now I'm seeing it, like, in a different way.
0: Dude, that's, that's when you, that's your last year of school?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So, this is interesting. Um, because it's, it's all kind of happening in between everything, right? So like yeah. you're graduating school and mm-hmm. like, that's the first glimpse of like, ooh, I, I could see myself doing yeah. this and wanting this, but you take this, you know, more educational path, um, in DC yep. and you're staying creative, but not so much in the painting realm.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then you, you find your way back to Jersey and painting kind of comes back onto the radar. Right.
2: Right. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah.
0: what was it? I'm curious to know. Um, after you get this first sign from Viacom as you're graduating, did you did you where did you feel immediately inspired to be like, oh, how can I make this art thing happen? Like, because you you saw it, you saw the possibility mm-hmm. there. Um, how come you didn't pursue it right then and there, or did you? And maybe it just didn't manifest.
1: Um. Well, I, I did like in the midst of all, the reason why she even reached out to me was because she saw me actively painting like the graduation caps and boop, boop, boop. um, and so I was moving in that direction, but I just didn't see, like, like I told you before, like I just saw it as like a side hustle that I really loved. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, when I got that attention, I was like, OK, like that was the pivot for me. Like, hold up. I could probably actually turn this into a thing, into okay. a real, real thing. Okay. Um, the reason why I didn't pursue it at that time was because, you know, it was just so much happening. Like I was wrapping up school, um, moving to D.C. There was just so many things in the way. And so um, I definitely like, you know, I, I was thinking about it, though. It was brewing. Mm-hmm. It was definitely brewing mm-hmm. in my head. Like what it? I was building the vision out, I guess I could say. I'm like, okay, so if I can really do this art thing seriously, how how can I make it lucrative? How can I make sure that, you know, I'm really accomplishing on all my financial goals? Like, um, and so being in DC, I feel like that was like an incubation period, you know, where I'm thinking, I'm away from like what I'm familiar with. So I'm like, my boundaries are like non-existent at this point. Um, I'm in a city that's like with some heavy hitters, like people are just overall inspirational, super dope. And I'm making uh, lots of new connections and, um, yeah. And then that's when, um, I remember one day I was just like taking a walk downtown and just like Versus. being surrounded by the murals. This is in DC. Okay. And, um, just being like around the murals and like, like, yo, this is dope. I can't believe people do this with their hands. Like, mm-hmm. this is crazy. Like, I know I can paint, but I can't do that. And so I was like, well, if I can't do it, then I guess I gotta make it my goal. Like to be able to do it. Look at that. Right.
0: What did you say? Do it scares you just for fun? Yeah, think, exactly. Yeah. Precisely. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's exactly um, I think that's when that that vision first came to fruition. Um and so right, immediately after when I got the job, I was like, All right, well, I'm gonna hold myself accountable by telling everybody else that I wanna do it. Good for you. And so, and that was a space of accountability. Like if there was anywhere that you were going to be held accountable, it was at the Future Project. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: So you told them about the mural. Right. They hold you accountable. And what's the time frame? When do you end up? Or what are there things that happen in between?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, st- you know, I, I, I made that, I made that declaration like sometime in the summer, mm-hmm. like June, July. Um, the school year starts up September, you know, I'm working. Um, and then like I think sometime maybe like December, uh one of my colleagues uh, goes in the in, in the Slack and is like, yo, my students are wanting to do a mural in the new cafe, with the do, like, you know, if y'all know of anyone, mm. let me know. <laughs> my boss, my chief. <laughs> Her name is Nyoka. Immediately sends it to me like, "Yo, hop on it," right. and I'm like, ah, "Right, I don't know. Wow. I don't know." So I'm like, "Whatever. Let me just message him." So my colleague, it was an L- he he's in L.A. at the time. His name is Matteo Corby, and um, you know, I DM him. <laughs> I DM him. I slack him back, and I'm like, "Yo, like." You know, I said in the summer that I wanted to do this. You know, I haven't done one before, but if you wouldn't to take a chance with me, like, you know, I'm down to try. And he's like, oh, absolutely. Like, yes, absolutely, 100%. Um, and so, within two months, you know, a, Does
0: he know you at the time?
1: Yeah, we know. Okay. We all know each other okay. from, like, just Dream Academy and just, you know, we have a very loose relationship. Like, you know, I don't know him, know him like mm-hmm. that, but we are familiar with each other. He knows you paint. Right, he search. knows I paint, okay. and we work together, and so... You know, I go there, and he, like, opens up his crib to me. Like, he houses me. We, you know, you know, we ended up building a super great relationship. Like, he's, like, someone who's super near and dear to my heart now. Um, And I went, and I was so nervous. Um, It was in February that I flew there. I think it was, like, February 12th. And um, went there completely unprepared. Had not prepared a sketch because I was so nervous. And I just didn't. I knew what he wanted. Um, I knew what he wanted to see. I know what his students wanted to see. He like sent me reference photos. Um, and I tried so many times to to create a draft, but I just couldn't. And, um, literally I I did the draft like maybe two hours before I started hitting the wall (laughs) and he saw it and he was like, that's really complex. (laughs) And I was like, I know I was like, we're going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, we went and we bought the supplies and then it was, it was a wrap. Like it took like sixty hours across three days. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was it's my first t- time. Three so days? Yeah. You
0: yeah. did sixty hours in three days. Yeah, I
1: was barely like we was there. Oh. We was there. <laughs> we was there. It was bad. <laughs> That's like, crazy. oh my God. I'd never been so exhausted. Um yo oh by the goodness. end of that third day, we were there for like we were there till like ten o'clock. And I was it's just like exhausted, like nearing the end of it. Like I know that I'm about to finish, but I'm just like getting in all the final details and I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm physically, mentally exhausted. And that's it. I finished it and it was like all of that exhaustion just left my body. Wow. Like I sure, was elation. elated. Elated. Why do we say the same word? Right, because that's, that's the best word. <laughs> like I was just, oh my gosh, like. It was just amazing. It was a high like I have never felt in my life before. And yeah. that's it. Like, I felt that. And I was like, I need this for the rest of my life. Wow. I need it for the rest of my life. Like, I need to, I need to feel like this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I was so proud. It was the best thing I'd ever done. Um, and, yeah. And he was so happy with it. The students loved it. And it completely changed the space completely changed the space um and it was funny because like from there on it was like a very like highly stylized mural like it was geometry and color and to this day that's exactly what i'm doing wow yep
0: that's super dope so <laughs> what year is this
1: this was 2000 2017
0: okay so that's your first taste of mural work and you're like oh i love this yeah I want more of it need more And how do you end up proceeding?
1: So uh, I flew back, you know, I I came back to New Jersey and, you know, uh, that was in February. So um, I I like kind of, I kind of fall back for a little bit, right? Like I'm seeing, like, I know that I want to do more murals. I don't exactly know how to, how to do more murals. Like, how do I... Like, am I just supposed to walk up to people and be like, you're, let me, like, let me hit your wall. <laughs> like, no, like, you know, I don't necessarily have too much, like, I haven't, I haven't built like the sustainable confidence around that skill set just yet. Okay. And so, um, I also just don't know how, you know, like I said, I just don't know how. And so I, uh, there was, uh, you know, the school year ends, I don't think I do any more murals that year. And I'm transitioning out of a dream director role and into the executive assistant role. And at the time, we had just built these bleachers at the office. And they were like these big wooden bleachers that were such an eyesore. Um, and they were just getting dirty because people would put their feet all over them. And, you know, it was just, it was just ugly. <laughs> and so um, at the time, uh, the director of experience um, at the office, his name is Troy Mitchell. He's like a dope DJ from Detroit. Um he is like, "Yo, we gonna get you to do them bleaches," and I'm like, "Yo, make it happen," and yeah. I'm down. And so, you know, he had to negotiate for me, and I had to like definitely advocate for myself for a long time. But we we eventually got the funding, and we we did it. Like I did it, and it was that was that was also a mural that took a pretty significant amount of time, especially because it was on wood. So the wood was just soaking up my paint. And I just, you know, I did, I didn't know at the time that you know you're supposed to prime the wood and whatever. Um. And so that was my second experience with a the, with the mural painting. And at the time, I also had um, another former colleague who was a dream director at the time. Right, so I did that. I did that. Hold on to I me. Mean, I did that mural. I go into my ex- executive assistant role. Um, and I'm, like, doing, like, little creative things here and there around the office. It's all good. And uh, one of my... Uh, colleagues over at the future Project, who is still a dream director her name is chop and she's a dupe uh like a super dope interior designer here in Newark um she's like yo I just got a new spot like I definitely need you to come by and hit my wall and she's hitting me up for months right and I'm like yeah yeah yeah. like yeah yeah like I'm playing I'm playing why are you playing I don't know why I'm playing (laughs) I was just playing yeah I was like I don't I don't know I just, I guess I, I didn't, I felt, I felt like I didn't have the time. Or I don't, I don't really know. I feel like, uh, it's funny, like how we get in our own way sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like that's exactly what I was doing. I was probably like afraid that like, if I kept doing it, I would be held accountable to continue doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've overcome that now. Now I'm like, yo, give me all the walls. But
0: so when you say like, you know, being held accountable to keep doing it, is it just a matter of like, I don't want to get sick and tired of this? Or is it like, oh I have to keep producing amazing work and like it's yeah, kinda sc- it's, like
1: it's scary. Yeah. It's scary. It's like I, I don't know relate, if I can I live up to this. Yeah. Like I don't know if I'm <laughs> that great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like can, It's always is interesting, right? Like first one's like, wow. And then you're
0: like, Can I do that again? And then you do it a second time. And you're like, Oh wow, I did that a second time. Third you're time like, though, you locked it in. You like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, wait, now wait. Now it doesn't seem like a mistake, but I don't know if it's quite a habit yet, right?
1: (laughs) Yo, for real. Yeah, so like, you you know, like, you know, you're afraid of your own potential at some point. You just like, can I be that great? Like, should I continue doing this? Like, am I going to play myself in the end? And so, you know, self-sabotage is a real thing. Um, And so, you know, eventually she locked me in. You know, I did the mural. Um, and that is the house painting that, uh, it's actually my favorite painting now. It's mm. like my favorite mural that I've ever done. Wow. Um, and it's actually inspired, uh, from like a South African tribal people called the Ndebele people. And they do like, uh, house paintings on the exteriors of their buildings mm. to symbolize different things. Um, whether it be like traditions or beliefs. Um, and so, um, yeah, I just, I fell in love with that process. That one is still my favorite mural to this day. Um, so I'm happy that she pushed me. Shout out to Chop. Shout out to you, Chop. <laughs> Shout out to Chop. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, uh, the next mural that I painted, it was it was funny. Um, you know, the organization started to have some financial difficulties, um, and eventually it just dissolved. And so wow. we were the entire the future company all of me and my colleagues were all laid off on the same day in April. Wow. And this so, is April of one Last April. 2019. Yeah. And so uh, we all got laid off and I was just like, dang. Like, you know, like I was feeling so sad and I didn't know what to do. I was confused. I was like, where do I go next? Um, and, you know, you and I had been talking in DC for a long time about like having several streams of income.
2: Yeah,
1: right. So I always knew that that's where I was. I wanted to, what I wanted to do. But being an executive assistant, it was so hard to do that because so it's like a very demanding job, um, and I was exhausted every day coming home. Mm-hmm. And so I knew, like, all right, I just got laid off. Like this is this is my opportunity to like just do this. And so. I reached out to my network, um, and I locked in like a contractor or two, uh, doing some dope work. Um, one of them was like a marketing and graphic work uh, contract, so I'm like their artist in residence. And then the other was a uh, program management um, joint with an organization called Butterfly Dreams. Um, and they do really dope leadership development work, uh, for young girls. And every single season they publish a book together. And so it's a pretty dope uh, yeah, organization. Cool. And so I locked that in and I just started looking for more opportunities to paint. And so, um, I got laid off and then like maybe within like two weeks, uh, chop's good friend named Emeka, um, he hit me up. And he was opening up this new restaurant uh, in Maplewood, New Jersey called Freetown Kitchen. Mm. It's an African barbecue spot. I, I was going to say, he
0: definitely sounds Nigerian. <laughs> I heard Mecca and I'm like, shout out to you, my Nigerian brother.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely Nigerian. <laughs> so um, he opens up this African barbecue spot. Um, I highly recommend 10 out of 10, Maplewood, New Jersey. Um, it's called Freetown Kitchen. And he's like, yo, Kels, like, I need you to pull up and paint a mural for me. Mm. And so, you know, I'm, like, sitting in the darkness of my unemployment. So I'm like, (laughs) absolutely, let's do it. And it was such an empowering moment because, you know, instead of being at home sad as heck, like, I was, like, living in my purpose. Mm. And it just grounded me. Like, I was like, this is what I want to be doing. Like, I don't want to be working in no office. I don't want to, like... Have to listen to nobody. I want to just pull up, do my work, and leave. Yeah. And um, you know, like it prevented it. prevent being in that space. Um, it prevented a lot of sadness for me. And he, he, you know, he put me on to do one mural. I ended up painting like four different things. Mm. Um, four different murals. Wow. <laughs> so, cause I was just, I didn't want to stop. Like yeah. I was just like, yo, I love this. I love this. I want to keep on going. And so, you know, he he was gracious enough to let me have the wall space. Um, and I did it. And so, yeah, from there, um, just more and more opportunities started presenting themselves. Um, you know, I, uh, I went, my, uh, my marketing graphic uh, contract, it's with a charter school in Patterson called uh, College Achieve um, Patterson Charter School. And uh, my good friend and mentor, his name is Dr. Jamar Mills, um he is executive director of the school and he like partnered with a couple of folks to open up that school. And so, and so, um, he had me paint a mural at his school and that was really dope. Um, you know, and then my community center growing up hit me up like, yo, when's our mural? I was like, bet. <laughs> wow.
0: So it's just like finding its way to, you know,
1: yeah, at this point I'm not even looking like, you know, like what I was thinking before is like I want to do more but I don't know how Yeah, like the universe was just like bet I got you I'm gonna just sprinkle this all over you that's so incredible and so the opportunity to start presenting themselves and then also like I just started seeing possibility like I started seeing it like like why do I have to? Why do I always have to receive some some, some sort of monetary compensation for it? Like if I want to paint murals, just paint murals. Like mm. get the paint and go paint a mural. And so started hitting up my friends. Like yo, let me do a joint in your apartment. Like it's a gift. Don't worry about it. If you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got a nice yes. creative space. I'm trying
0: so, to hook up. So, you know, just, just putting it out there.
1: yeah, Mark. <laughs> it's all love. Absolutely. <laughs> so, this year, specifically, like, I knew that I wanted to do murals for real, for real. Like, I really want to do it. And so, I've committed to donating 12, 12 murals this year. Wow. One per one month. each month, yeah. Yeah. And so, they're all going to be uh, free of charge um, and all uh, servicing some sort of, like, black or brown folk. Oh. And so... That is my commitment for this year um, that is both in alignment with my passion and my purpose. I'll get you. That mm-hmm. is fire. Yeah, thank you, yo. So my next one is actually going to be at my block where I grew up. Wow. And it's for March, and March is my birthday month. And so it's just it? like.
0: Yeah. Full circle.
1: Yeah, full circle. Wow. Full circle.
0: So when I came in, um, we were talking about the podcast concept, and you talked about 99. Mm-hmm. And the significance of that and what it means on the journey of boiling. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you were like, I feel like I'm there. I feel like I'm bubbling and I'm about to hit this boiling point.
1: Yeah.
0: And 100 degrees Celsius is right there. Yeah. So as you begin to think about next steps for yourself and Mm -hmm. if you're at 99 brewing and you're right there, what does 100 degrees Celsius look look like for you and, you know, beyond? Where do you where do you end up looking to go and what's next for you in your journey?
1: Um, You know, I feel like I decide that every day, like every day that's different. But for now, you know, I say I'm at 99 right now because I can feel it. Mm. Like I can feel it. Oh, my God, I can feel it. (laughs) Like things are just falling in my lap that I would never I don't even I can't even explain it. Like, you know, I'm about to lock in, I'm about to lock lock and load into my mama's basement, turn it into a workshop. And I have a lot of projects that people, you know, that I've been thinking about for a long time. And I'm finally going to have the space and the time and, you know, um, to really manifest on those things. And so I just feel it, like I feel it calling me. And, you know, I have never felt this motivated before. There's a reason that I feel this motivated now, because I think it's coming and mm. I need to prepare and I need to like get my ducks in a row. Right. And so... I feel like um, I'm eventually about to like I'm about to just just go we'll right, over right over that go right over that little peak. Yeah. And when I'm there, that's it. It's gonna be locked and loaded. There's gonna be no turning back. And so what I hope that looks like is, you know, just just lots of murals. I wanna do big, big murals too. Like huge murals, outdoor, outdoor exterior murals as well. Um, and I wanna have you know, I want all of my work to center around social impact. Um 'Cause we're, you know, like I'm a human from anything else. And so uh like I wanna work with uh different companies. Like I have this dream. Uh I wanna do like I love Air Forces. Mm. I just love Air Force. Uh, Air
0: Force Ones, like, give me two pars.
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I love, I love Air Forces. Always have as a kid, right? Always, always, always. You know, they were just like The staple of like you know a cool kid and so um you know I want to design my own line of of Air Force Ones and so I've I've worked uh with those visuals I've developed what that would look like and so it's just a matter of like putting it out into the universe in a way so that it can manifest on itself um but I know it's going to happen it's coming soon, yes, it is. It's coming soon. I'm saying it on the mic, so it gotta happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen for sure. Yeah, you already know and so, I'm gonna be an
0: accountability partner.
1: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, um, I just want to like, I just want to lead, lead by example and like show young people specifically because I'm that everything I do is for them, like everything. Since I was a young person myself, I've been doing youth service work, and so. Um, I just want, I want them to see and have an example of a person who like grew up very similarly to them and who, despite all of the statistics and all of the odds was, you know, this person was able to, to make something of themselves. And all I had was, you know, a doll and a dream. Shout out to J. Cole. Hey, <laughs> and so, you know, I have this new, this new project that I'm launching called Deities. You know, I said, I, I created a, a series of visuals, um, and they're like my own personal deities and they each respect, uh, they each, uh, represent a certain, uh, aspect of spiritual growth that mm. I want to, that I want to own into. And so, um, you know, I want to drop some merchandise for them and I hope that they inspire people as much as they inspire me. And, you know, I've been getting, I've been getting some good feedback, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm yeah. feeling really, uh, positive and, and, you know, looking, looking to un, un, unravel on that. So. Yeah. Yeah, the rest, you know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna spoil my plans. So. Hey, nah, I feel that. Yeah, but I definitely you left yeah. a
0: lot for sure, absolutely a lot to uh, to to dive into and dissect and you dropped gems. This was <laughs> such a dope episode. I'm so happy Thank that you, you came by. Definitely appreciate you.
1: Of course, um, I appreciate
0: you too. Yo, I'm so glad we did this one right now in this timing with with it being March and it being your birthday.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I decided. Really not even like it wasn't premeditated at all. I had one episode in the bag for March and it was a young woman by the name of Sukari and that's my homie from out from um, you know, D C mm-hmm. and right after like I was get I was about to air her episode and I was like, Yo, I wanna do a woman's history month edition. Ah. And, you know, and, and I, I said it, you know, in the promotion, like, yeah, we, we love and respect women all year round. So I'm mm-hmm. not one of these people that's like, oh, just for this month, you know, but uh, I want to pay homage during this time. And so I was looking like to, to people that I've been seeing brewing and at different phases of whatever it is they're creating and doing mm-hmm. that I could showcase. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad, you know, you're able to make this happen, <laughs> even in the midst of all the craziness and getting oh this in gosh. right now, like. This is it's just it's amazing time. Your story is incredible. Thank so you. thank you for coming out. Thank you. Thank and you. for sharing that and for being so vulnerable on on air. Yeah. Um how can people keep in touch with you for the listeners that are interested <laughs> in following your journey?
1: So uh y'all can follow me on Instagram. It's at Kelly Loops, that's K-E-L-L-Y-L-O-O-P-Z as in zebra. Um so, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. My website is kellyloops.com. My email is kellyloops at gmail.com. My Twitter handle is kellyloops as well. <laughs> My cash app is also kellyloops. Loops. Hey. <laughs> there you go. So, um, yeah, you know, reach out to me. I'm, I'm a huge, you know, I love to inspire people. I love to talk. But, you know, I got, I got a lot of uh, knowledge and wisdom to share. And so I'm just looking to... I'm looking for listening ears and, um, you know, hit me up. Hit me up for all of your creative needs. You dig? Um, I'm here. I'm available. I'm open.
0: Bet that. All right, with that said, we're going to close this out. (laughs) Thank you once again. This was amazing.
1: Thanks, Mark.
0: Peace and love, y'all. Bye, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of 99 Celsius. Again, I'm your host, Marco Quay. For updates on the pod, follow us on Instagram at 99Celsius, all spelled out. New episodes air each and every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the pod with others. Until next time.